Welcome to Dungeons and Dinners, where the love of fantasy is food for thought. I'm your host, Brett Lindley, and today I'm talking about the different types of conflict and how you can use them to boost your storytelling. If you'd like to support the podcast and fund new monsters, bonus episodes, downloadable recipes, and adventure modules, head over to patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners. Welcome! Take a seat anywhere. Be right with you. If there is no conflict, there is no story. Conflict is what drives plot. The act of confronting opposing forces or threats generates the narrative in which the characters live and thrive. Opposition to an antagonistic action, being, or state of the world is the source of conflict. But what about these sources can we leverage in our own storytelling, and what makes them particularly special? Understanding the source of conflict can help guide your story, and whether you begin to get lost or just need new ideas, it can help to refocus your intent on the source of the conflict to determine what narrative elements you could use to help drive that conflict forward, or how the conflict itself could exert a new or re-examine an existing pressure that the characters must then react to. So I'd like to discuss the types of conflict that exist in kind of narrative literature, and this of course applies to all forms, uh, whether it be movies or stories, books, or campaigns in general. And depending on who you talk to or what sources you use, there's anywhere from four to eight or more uh, kind of classic sources of conflict. And I think that while there are some differences, I'm going to focus on the larger side, where there is eight, and then uh, later on we'll talk about combinations of these sources to understand a little bit better that the narrative focus doesn't have to be on a single solitary source. And oftentimes it isn't. Um, and some of the sources of conflict that we'll go over uh, can technically be considered as combinations, and then others, specifically when looked through the realm of a TTRPG, can oftentimes exist as one narratively and another in the thick of it. So the, we'll go back and forth, we'll discuss these options and talk about each ones, and then we'll also look at how they can be leveraged in your campaigns. So let's just get started. The biggest, most obvious uh, and probably one of the simplest forms of conflict is character versus character. There is a protagonist embodied in a singular entity and an antagonist that is embodied in a singular entity. So the protagonist is your, your quote-unquote good person, the person that you're rooting for, and the antagonist is the, the person that is, is striving to work against them for either their own goals or directly to defeat the protagonist or hero. So the struggle here, the source of the conflict, comes from the clash of these two characters, uh, either physically or mentally, or the clash of the ideas or ideals that these characters uh, hold true or hold dear as their source of, you know, kind of personality or their, their raw character traits. And to win or to resolve the conflict, 
one of these characters must overcome the other. And usually it's, you know, the good guys overcoming the bad guys. But it depends, especially in a TTRPG setting. If you're in an evil campaign, well, you know, you may be the antagonists, but that's who you're rooting for. So things can get a little bit messy there. <laughs> but it is a direct conflict. It is something, it is not very ethereal. It's usually resolvable through very direct actions, and those actions are always in opposition to the actions or threats generated by the other opposing character. So it's a very simple, very direct, very, you know, narratively easy form of conflict. You have a lich that's doing lich things, and you need to defeat the lich, and once you defeat the lich, the conflict itself is overcome. There's no more conflict because the source has been removed. So uh, we're going to try to as much as we can to reframe our ideas and what the source of conflict is because that'll tell you the most about what type of conflict it is and how to leverage it. If you want to leverage character versus character conflict, then the source must take an action to thwart or somehow slow the progress of the character's toward defeating that source. So the Lich needs to invade somewhere, or send an army of undead, or move their phylactery, or somehow the character themselves must take an action that is going to get in the way and slow down or try to defeat the characters that oppose them. It's very easy to think in character versus character, because all you have to do is basically, as a DM, uh, consider yourself running an evil campaign. You are the evil campaign, right? The players may be playing a good campaign, but you've got to play an evil one, so you've got to put yourself in the mindset of the character who is the source of conflict and determine what are the actions that I can take as this character that would slow down or thwart the progress of the players. Now, don't take this too far. We've discussed in a lot of other you know, episodes that it is not DM versus players. But in this sense, you are driving the narrative or the conflict, and that should be in opposition to what the characters want. Because like we said, if there's no conflict, there's no story. If there's nothing to overcome, if there's no threat or challenge, then the players can have very little to do. And so while not every session needs to be filled to the brim with conflict, you should keep your conflict in mind when telling your overarching story. So the next one is uh, a little bit harder for the DM to guide. However, it can be a very useful tool, and that is character versus self. So this is an internal struggle. It's based on the ability for the character or inability for the character to express their true self or some portion of their own internal bias must be overcome in order for them to win against the conflict or overcome that conflict. And this can come in the form of a you know character that is struggling with self-confidence, finally gaining confidence in themselves in order to fight or to you know perform the actions that they they must do in order to overcome a threat or situation. And while a lot of these are going to be driven more directly by the players and them exploring their own characters, there are ways that you can help nudge that along without directly puppeting a character. Uh, this can include things like if characters have tragic backstories, uh, that include, 
situations that they are now afraid of. You know, you can leverage characters' fears or the things that they are most against, and you can put them into situations where they need to face those fears or deal with those fears or reveal those fears to others. So if a character is afraid of, you know, fire, then putting them in situations where they must overcome that fear and, you know, charge into a burning building to save an NPC or something like that is going to be a way to put them in a situation where they can have that character versus self moment. Additionally, while I am, again, we've talked about in other episodes, strongly against character character puppeting, so don't puppet your players where you take full control of them, you can do things that give them that feeling of overcoming that threat or challenge when they are presented with it in ways that may actually prolong this. So if your character has a fear of fire and suddenly have the bravery to charge into the burning building, but haven't really done anything to get that bravery, they've never faced that fear before, this is their first encounter with it, then think about possibly giving them a will save. Put it to the roll of the dice, and depending on you know how much fire there is and how afraid they are, set an appropriate DC, this way the player can feel like if they roll to overcome it, that they are then you know, making progress towards overcoming that fear. And if they fail that role, then again, while you may not puppet them, you may remind them that your fear is really strong and your character is going to be, you know, have more a more difficult time facing this threat. Again, I may not even stop the character from charging in, but you know, you're realizing that you are, you've got a sudden flop sweat, the fears of your youth where this, you know, fire, your fear of fire, whatever the source came from, you know, talk about those and then state to the character very openly, any checks or skill checks that you're going to make in this area are going to be more difficult because you failed your will save. I'm not going to stop you from doing them, but your fear is going to cloud your mind and is going to make it a lot harder for you to approach this interaction. I may not necessarily state that they're terrified. Again, it, it depends on the situation and the players and characters that you're dealing with. Know how far you can push things like that before taking away player agency. But allow them to say, hey, you can do this, but all of the DCs are going to increase by five because you failed your will save by five, right? Or some equal amount, to, to however you want to determine. But be open about it. Say, I'm not going to stop you from doing it, but it's going to be difficult. Other forms of character versus self, of course, fears are a big one, but it's any time that a character's ideals are the source of their own internal conflict, where they've got to struggle with their own preconceived notions about themselves or a situation and must overcome it to then progress through the story and to drive the story or the plot forward. So other types of this can be things like a hatred of a specific race and suddenly having to be, you know, they've hated orcs their whole lives, orcs killed their family, and now they're struggling with the fact that the you know, orcs are the the 
main character race that can help them progress forward. And so there's this internal struggle that they can overcome. And this specific example is actually something that we will touch on a little bit later. It's another form of conflict. But like I said, a lot of these situations, the source of conflict can be from multiple sources. And we'll touch on how that works and how to use that in a little bit. But for now, we're going to move on to our third and, in my opinion, probably most underutilized in D&D conflict, which is character versus nature. So I would say maybe half of this is fairly often utilized, the more obvious side being monsters. But the other half of this, I think, is really underutilized, and we'll get into that here. So character versus nature, what is it? It's the, when the characters, the source of conflict is nature itself, whether it be uh, weather or disease or predatory animals or creatures that are stopping them from get, attaining their goals. So like I said, the obvious answer here is monsters. Uh, there's whole books dedicated in most TTRPGs to this type or source of conflict. Monsters are a great way. They're a great thing. There's something to fight. And fighting is conflict, so super easy. Grab a monster out of the manual, plop it on the battlefield, and there you go. You have conflict. Whether the characters need to run away or defeat it or overcome it or get through it, that's their own way of that's how they have to deal with it. It's not necessarily up to you to decide how they deal with it. It's just up to you to provide that conflict, provide those sources of antagonistic behavior that they can then challenge themselves with. Monsters are the easy source of conflict. They are plentiful, and but there is a slight differentiation to make here, which is that the monster in character versus nature is not sent by another being. It simply exists in an area. It's So this probably doesn't include highly intelligent monsters, an illithid or... A, an aboleth or some great intelligent, you know, beholder, any beast that is acting of its own accord is probably going to be more in the character versus character scenario, whereas characters versus nature are, char are monsters that are acting on their own survival instincts and possibly may not have, are not seeking conflict with the character. So an owlbear, you know, and the, the characters stumble into the owlbear's den, Albert is going to try to defend itself, and that's where your conflict suddenly arises. The characters need to either have shelter in this den or need to get through this den to get deeper into a dungeon or something, and that conflict is a, a spur-of-the-moment situation. An extended form of this type of conflict is anywhere where nature is acting of its own accord and the characters must step in and try to change it. If wolves are eating and attacking all of the sheep at some countryside farm, that's just nature doing its thing. However, there's kind of a, you know, characters versus nature. The characters, or at least the farm people, are going to want those sheep because they need them to survive. And the threat is having to push back against nature itself and either calm it or change it in some way or defeat it directly to overcome their situation of all of their sheep being eaten. And the resolutions in this can come from 
again, a lot of different sources where the characters may be able to relocate the wolves if they don't want to kill them directly, or use speak with animals and tell them, hey, these sheep are off limits, you're going to have to find some other source of food, and maybe there's another source of conflict that comes from why do the wolves not have any food in their natural habitat anymore, or et cetera, et cetera. And so this type of conflict, probably pretty prevalent. You've probably seen it or played through it or used it. But in the place of it, there's two other types of conflict in character versus nature that I don't see as often. And we'll go from probably the more seen to the less seen. And I've probably seen disease used quite a bit more, whether this is disease affecting an entire town or a specific character within the party. There are lots of rules for using disease, at least in older versions of D&D, where there's going to be lots of con checks and or possibly stat losses or, you know, different effects that a disease can generate within a party or within a town. And, it, you know, struggling through it, of course, to, to survive the conflict, you're going to need an, either a cure or a finding a safe place to rest and get over the disease naturally or avoiding the disease or eliminating you know the source of that a lot of times again can come back to kind of character versus character if there is an intelligent monster that's spreading the disease or it can be a second layer of character versus nature in D&D where there's a specific creature that is spreading this disease even in the real world like mosquitoes are a, a secondary threat so there's the malaria is the disease itself but then mosquitoes are the carrier so there's a secondary source that is character versus nature whether it is versus the disease itself or the carriers of that disease and how to overcome them but the least used that i often see and i see it used in in one specific way it sees a lot of use and in the other not so much which is weather and I think I've seen plenty of instances of characters trudging through rain or snow and having to deal with being wet or, or exhausted because it's caused a lot of difficult terrain for them to trudge through or slow down their path. But very rarely do I see that weather is the source of a problem for something like a side quest. There are so many examples in our daily lives that we see of weather or nature itself being incredibly destructive. There are tsunamis, there's tornadoes, there's typhoons and hurricanes, earthquakes and volcanoes. And these are all things that, in my opinion, even up into fairly high-level parties, can be very difficult to deal with if utilized properly. If you are in a town and a tornado is coming through, a lower or mid-level even party is probably not going to have a lot of tools at hand that they can use to stop a tornado from coming through a town, right? Like, there's just, you know, a fog cloud's not going to do it, a gust of wind isn't going to do it, and they probably don't have a magic item that is going to be able to generate a wall of force big enough to cover the whole town. And this can be a way to generate a threat that is very instinctually obvious that the characters need to run away from or protect themselves from. I know that there are a lot of situations where myself and other DMs have wanted to put the characters into a situation where the intent is you should run away. 
right? This is not something that you can fight right now, but I'm using it to set up a higher narrative point. But a lot of players oftentimes don't recognize when a living threat is put in front of them that they should run away from it, especially if their characters are not researching what those things are or if they're green players who don't know what they're up against. If you have a party of brand new players who have never played D&D before and they're all at level one and you put an ancient red dragon in front of them with the intent of them talking to it, getting some information, and running away— they may think that the game is called Dungeons and Dragons, and what they should do is fight this thing. Because, you know, they don't know any better. And so you either have to stop yourself and tell them, oh, you would know that this thing can, like, totally eat you in one bite, or breathe fire and destroy all of you in one turn, or you have to then deal with, in some in-game mode, the dragon laughs at the characters for their pitiful attempts to fight it, and it just kind of giggles and you kind of shoehorn or force the story forward that way. But if there is a tornado, a giant tornado, coming towards the town, the characters are going to—we have human experiences to draw from, right? Or if their wind's kicking up, the rain is going horizontal, and the wind is getting so strong that, you know, the typhoon is dropping so much rain that it floods, or the hurricane is, you know, stripping away signposts and, and things like that, where the earthquake is, you know, starting to rumble and rumbles more and more intense, and now buildings are crashing down. These are all things that— we have at least some inherent uh, knowledge of that we've experienced, whether they're not direct experience, you've heard of them in your normal lives, and therefore your characters can react to them much you know, with better skill, with a lot more efficiency. You're going to think, I need to get to cover, or I need to get out of the tower, or we need to find some way to, maybe if we can levitate, then we can, you know, at least not be affected by an earthquake. But there's only going to be so far that they can go with that, and the town itself is going to be affected by it, whether entirely or in part. A wildfire that is raging is not something that a little bit of create food and water is going to cure. You know, you may be able to control water to stop a fire on a boat, but you're not going to be able to control water to then keep a, you know, 50-mile-wide swath of firefront, you know, you're not going to break that very easily. And so generating this type of conflict and getting a town to evacuate or finding other ways to, you know, make a fire break and, and try to stop the fire that way is a type of conflict that I, I just, I don't ever really see it used. And maybe outside of, like, meteor strikes, but that's usually a narrative element, not a source of conflict. The meteor comes down outside of town, and the characters go investigate what the meteor is, right? But using it as a source of conflict and as something that the characters and their magic and their abilities may not be as tightly leveraged and as finely aligned. A lot of the abilities are meant for character versus monster. They're not meant for character versus tornado. And so I think that utilizing nature in that way is something that you can really surprise your characters with and provide them an intense conflict that probably has a set resolution. A uh, typhoon or hurricane may last a day or two before it is gone or dissipates. A tornado can be minutes 
as it trudges through and then dealing with the resulting fallout is the continued source of conflict where new sources of conflict then arise. People are hungry. Their lives have been devastated. Their homes have been destroyed. There's going to be a lot of smaller conflicts that spur out of that. And that leads us pretty quickly into character versus society. And so this is where the characters or the source of conflict comes from a difference between the characters' ideals and the ideals or actions of the rest of the larger society, whether that be within a small town or the whole world believes or acts in a certain way that is contrary to the ideals or beliefs held by the characters themselves. So there is a trait of the character and that trait is something that they either want to express or maybe it's something that they're born with that is not either popular or is not uh, allowed by society. It could be a religious preference. It could be a class or race that is outlawed or, you know, magic may be illegal and they're born a sorcerer or a wild magic, you know, user that, that just bursts into magic every now and again. And this is something that society around them finds either illegal or shameful or in some way is, you know, against that character, class, trait, race, or ability. And the character is often in defiance of this, either by their birth, because they are just born different, or because they own their trait and they are confident within it. So this is not a character versus self, although it could be as well, an internal struggle, remember, where the character is struggling with their own needs, wants, and desires. But oftentimes in character versus society, the character stands on a moral high ground or a personal high ground that says society is wrong and here is why. I am the living example of why. Or as a party, they exist together to try to overturn or change society's beliefs itself. And in order to, to really overcome this, they've got to either convince society that the, all, the whole of society is wrong, or begin to cause a societal shift by passing laws that allow for better, you know, access to whatever needs, wants, and desires those societal traits have been working against for so long, or overcoming just the pressure itself. You know, maybe by changing the minds of a few people, you can start the shift, and that can be enough to overcome this pressure by making it to where, and you can, this can also, while, you know, a lot of times this is thought of very seriously, you can use this type of conflict in a very joking way where the society that has access to lots of, you know, cows and, and lambs and sheep is totally against, uh, you know, cheese or milk or something like that. And again, be mindful of if, you know, if you've got some vegan members of your party or something, maybe you're not going to want to poke fun at this. Uh, but it can be something very simple where, you know, you've got a town that, you know, their really only real source of food is uh, vegetables and wheat, but they honor wheat and vegetables as, uh, you know, living gods and therefore don't want to harvest or eat them and they've been starving instead, right? So this is kind of a societal conflict, some form of, 
you know, conflict or belief held by a large group of people instead of by an individual can be your source of conflict. Again, be mindful of your players. Don't use it as a way to make fun of the things, the ideas and beliefs that your real life friends have. Uh, make sure that if you're going to use this in a joking manner, that you find something that is easy to joke with. Maybe the whole society worships the pebbles on the, sto- the shore and therefore builds all of their houses out of sticks when stone is a much, you know, because, hey, maybe there's a tornado coming, right? Um, you big bad wolf them. But, you know, just be mindful of the people at your party and what you're, how you're going to use this because character versus society can be a very touchy subject, especially in the shape of the world that we have right now. So if you're going to deal with... Uh, issues of race or sexuality or even, you know, food. Make sure that you are keenly aware of who's at your table and of your own internal biases and opinions because this is a subject that I think a lot of people probably shouldn't touch on too much and without being educated in it and something that they, they really want to do if you're going for a more serious topic. Just be careful. So next we have character versus fate, destiny, or quote-unquote God. And that last part I put in quotes because in a lot of narrative literature, this is a very ethereal thing. And in a lot of tabletop games, the gods and deities are actual beings and therefore can be literally fought or destroyed or have a direct personal conflict with. And more often than not, the character versus fate, destiny, or god is a more ethereal, intangible sort of thing that the character has to struggle against. So I quote God in this one because, you know, if you're going to be going up against some epic level creatures, those are probably character versus character and not character versus fate or destiny itself. Because the fates may even exist as literal personifications, right? So ignoring the literal personifications, what this is, is the central conflict is that you are struggling to either break or fulfill a fate or destiny, right? So you are the chosen one and you've got to do the thing, but the struggle comes not from doing the thing, but the character's internal wishes or desires to go up against it or to fulfill it. Or the character is destined to be in the opposing situation. You're destined to fail or to die. And your struggle is with overcoming, either breaking that destiny, finding a way to alter your fate, or finding a way to finally accept it and understand that that is your purpose or however that that goes. But again, the fighting God directly, that's character versus character. So we'll get into that a little bit more later. Um, character versus fate. I, I personally don't fate a lot of characters directly because, again, this gets into character agency unless the character is okay with that. But it, it, a lot of places where fate and destiny can be used is that the world has something fated or destined to it or some evil or antagonistic source is fated or destined to be a certain way. And it is therefore the character's jobs to overcome that fate or destiny in a more uh, personally indirect manner. They may be directly countering the fate, but it is not something that they are trying to struggle against themselves. So let's move on to this one is one that is back and forth as far as whether it is 
its own situation or if it's just a combination of others, and that is character in the middle. And so this is when the central conflict is the character stuck between either multiple unfamiliar situations or opposing sides. And the resolution of the conflict must come from the character juggling, balancing, or carefully navigating the opposing situations to get through them. Um, a lot of people see this as a combination of other situations, taking two situations and throwing the character between them. Um, but it is really when the resolution comes from the balance or careful navigation of these opposing sides. If you have a neutral character suddenly caught between two sides of an ongoing war, but their goal is not related to the war itself, then that can be where this source of conflict comes from. The two sides of the war are constantly getting in their way of them seeking some mystical artifact to fulfill their fate or destiny, right? Um, where that's your central conflict, but the the source of the main conflict in their situation is the fact that they're constantly having to deal with, you know, not being seen as siding with either side of the war, or they're just trying to get through situations that constantly end up being battlefields that they have to sneak through or get past in some way. They're constantly dealing with arbiters and judges and people wanting identification or paperwork and wanting to know what side they're on, and they're not concerned with the war itself. Or on the other side, they may be trying to find peace, a peaceful resolution between the two sides without wanting to take sides, right? And so to resolve that conflict, they've got to balance these two sides against each other. So that's it, it can be seen as other sources, but if you really think of the source of the conflict being the balancing act, then you've got a character in the middle situation. So I'll move on to character joining forces. This one is one that we've seen a lot. Uh, this one is fairly prevalent in the turning point or the crux of a situation in a lot of narrative scenarios is where two opposing forces... Uh, whether they be good or evil or light and dark or male and female, they've got to overcome their differences and join together to therefore overcome a greater threat, foe, or situation. And this conflict is, is fairly um, something we've seen a lot of, so it's, it's fairly easy to understand. It comes from the natural opposition of the two sides. Wherever those two things are different, and have very obvious differences between them. There's going to be a lot of general conflict of just those two sources being against each other. And the it, unlike man in the middle, there is still a balance element. But when it that balancing element is the understanding of two individual sources that are joining together for a common cause, that joining together is this kind of the source of conflict is how to get them to join together, whereas character in the middle is more about balancing and keeping themselves separate from the external threats. And so this joining together and finding that you are stronger together than you are apart is going to be how you resolve this type of conflict, this character's joining forces situation. And finally, we're going to go for our individual forms of conflict, we're going to move into characters versus machines or technology. This is somewhat self-explanatory, but the technology or the runaway progress 
is the primary foe or struggle. It's no longer bound often by the whims of its creator in the sense of like AIs or Terminators or things like that. It's often seen and used in very high technology campaigns. Um, could be something like Warforged or as some sort of, you know, golems or things like that. But it's when technology itself is the source of the conflict. So this could be a, you know, again, you can have a combo where someone is often controlling that progress, where whether it be an entity or a company or society itself. Those are going to be more character versus character, character versus society, where character versus technology is you are opposed or against the progress of the world itself. Uh, and whether that be, it's often very, again, easy to do in a high technology campaign, but it's not impossible to do when magic can be seen as, pro you know, the progress where if too many wizards get together in a certain location, or if we keep using magic for these types of needs or wants, or we use it frivolously, then it could unravel the fabric of the world itself and plunge the world into darkness, right? Or destroy the land. And so you have to manage that progress, whether it is by directly eliminating the threat in something like a Terminator, where it's just destroy all the robots and you win, uh, or whether it's by you know, leveraging one of those other situations like versus society or versus character where you are able to establish an understanding of why things are the way they are and, and halt the progress that way or even get the understanding of the progress, right? In the case of Warforged, there's a lot of very direct uh, conflict where they're living, breathing beings and they have minds or souls and they understand the world and so coming to a common ground may lean you towards a character's joining forces situation. So again, character versus technology um, in some literary forms is seen as very true because, you know, you have, you know, AIs or you have the Matrix or Terminator, all very obvious character versus technology. Um, but in a lot of other places, it can be seen as a combination of others or kind of a subsource of conflict that is hiding the true source of what's going on. So now we get to really talk about these combinations, and you can combine any number of these and layer your conflicts, right? Where technology may have this authority that's seeking the progress, so some head corporate entity or the corporation itself, and now you have character versus character, uh, if you are entombed in a machine or your brain is plugged into an AI and you're fighting it, then you could consider that character versus self. Maybe the machine's made a duplicate of your consciousness and you're trying to figure out which side of you is the right one, right? And we've kind of talked about it being V society. If it's the, the whole of society is trying to get this new technological advancement and that thing, it could destroy or, you know, disenfranchise everyone unintentionally, then you've got it versus you've got to change society's thoughts and actions to be able to win. We talked about, uh, it could be a very direct character versus character if you are going up against the gods or the fates themselves and you need to have a physical fight with them to win that, you know, can change there. But you can also layer these things, right? A character in the middle can be in the middle of a hurricane, which is, you know, the, the nature, 
and also versus society where there is you know the 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 clergy of the of some god of weather believe that the town has done wrong and deserves to be punished and has sent this hurricane to destroy everything and you know you've got a di- an additional layer of you've got to resolve the conflict of society and get the understanding that no this is not sent by the gods. This is because of nature itself. And then overcome the fact that nature itself is there and you've got to deal with this suddenly new situation. And you could have, in addition to that, a character v. character in that scenario. You know, the rest of the clergy aren't really on board and don't think that the that society has done wrong, but they can't overcome the lead priest. And they that is the direct source of this situation, right? And in the middle of this, you can have character versus selves where some of the characters actually do believe that the gods themselves influence the world and maybe they see that the town has done some wrong. So they're conflicted and not sure that while the gods may intervene, they don't think that they would send this much intervention, right? And so they're struggling with maybe they're a a worshiper of a god of weather and want to know you know, where do their truth, where does their truth lie, right? Or should they allow the weather to happen and destroy the town? Should they try to save the town? Would that be going against their own beliefs? And you can also have them joining forces where they are able to join forces with the cleric or the priest by convincing them otherwise and then utilizing that their ability to be stronger together because the priest has so much power in the town, they can then warn everyone to take shelter in a nearby cave while the hurricane passes through. So you can have all of these layers of conflict, but it's oftentimes good to think about the source of your conflict and how you want the characters, how you think the characters should face that conflict or how should that conflict arise in a situation when you think about the source of conflict you're thinking about the sources of your encounters or the narrative core of whether it be your story as a whole or just that little side quest or adventure or that session when you think about it that way and while you don't necessarily have to write down every type of conflict that is in this situation Thinking about them allows you to know and understand how the characters might approach the situation because a lot of these types of conflict are very inherent to how we live our lives and how we go about them. And so understanding that when it's characters versus monsters in character versus nature, they're probably going to fight them, especially if they are kind of mindless or low intelligence. And if they're high intelligence or it's character v. character, there could be more plotting and planning involved. And so leaving room for your characters to do that or using that as a way to pressure against them when there's not a lot of time to plan can be a way that you can drive an intensity into your games. And so thinking about the source of conflict also allows you to know how to leverage it and how to generate those intense moments where gameplay and dice rolls are critical to the progression of your story or campaign or session. So that'll be all for the episode today. Please let me know your thoughts, comments, or episode ideas. I'm most uh, commonly found and most active on Twitter, but I'm also available at many of the places that the links and contact information in the show notes can guide you to, either through the card website or directly. 
If you're interested in supporting the show and wanting to get more bonus content, uh, consider tossing some coins over to patreon.com slash dungeons and dinners. I'm working on a few things right now that I think are going to be really, really fun and exciting, and I will drop some free content, but I will begin putting up some content that could be behind the lower level Patreon tiers on there as well. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, there'll be some announcements on Twitter and on Patreon, so keep an eye there. If you're looking for more great podcasts to listen to, you can check out my other podcast, which is called Pick Up Your Sticks. Uh, it's a long-form podcast that focuses on why gaming matters. We've had some amazing guests from the gaming community. We've had developers, pro gamers, casters, and we're getting more and more, as well as long-form discussions between myself and the co-host, Walker Near. We talk about uh, modern games as well as older games, and we also take a look at just the societal impact of gaming and what gaming has done to influence our lives. So check that out as well if you're interested. And to end things off, I'm really excited to be sharing this journey with you. Remember that love is the secret ingredient. Have a good day, friend. Thanks for stopping by.